Hi, this is Dave Summers, and welcome to AMA Edgewise. For 21 years, Howard Behar led Starbucks' domestic business as president of North America, and he became the founding president of Starbucks International, opening the very first store outside of North America in Japan. And during his tenure, he participated in the growth of the company from only 28 stores to over 15,000 stores spanning five continents, and he served on the Starbucks Board of Directors for 12 years before retiring. Now he serves on the boards of several for-profit and non-profit organizations, including Education Element, ID Tech, the School of Leadership Studies at Gonzaga University, and he's on the advisory boards to Anthos Capital, University of Washington Foundation, and he's a trustee for the Sherry and Les Biller Family Foundation. He's written two books. It's not about the coffee, which way, way, way long time ago, like when I first started with the AMA, Howard, sorry about that. It's even fuzzy for me. We interviewed you on, and that was interesting. And your new book, The Magic Cup, which is kind of cool. A friend of ours, a co-acquaintance of ours, Michael Lee Stallard, who is the founder of a consulting operation out of Connecticut called E Pluribus Partners, kind of hooked us back up again and said, you got to talk to Howard about culture, you know, organizational culture and, you know, where we're at with it. So do you mind if I jump in and... No, jump right in. My favorite subject. And by the way, welcome to AMA Edgewise. Thank you very much. Okay. It's 2017. Is organizational culture growing or declining as a factor and a significant critical factor for business success? It's growing. Let's just look at what happened with Uber, right? A culture that was significantly off track, even though they're highly valued company, I think 70 or 80 billion and haven't even gone public yet. But the culture got off track. CEO basically gets fired. And now they're trying to get a new CEO and trying to change the culture of the company. You know, anybody that thinks that culture doesn't matter, you could just take a look at that. Here's somebody that grew this business. He got the numbers, kind of, but the people were all unhappy, and they kept losing one good person after another. Howard, do you find in your conversations with other business leaders that I would hope most of them are coming around, but do you find that some of them still think of culture or healthy culture is a must-have, or are there still some folks out there who say, well, I'll get around to it. It's a nice-to-have. Yeah, I think there's more nice-to-have. See, the problem is is that every company has a culture. The question is whether it's defined or not and whether it's becoming what the organization wants it to become, including the leadership. Too often, companies have a culture, but the CEO is unaware of really what it is. You know, their culture is about getting big fast or making a lot of money. Well, that's not a healthy culture. That's not a culture that is geared to last a long time. And, you know, I think that the key here is being aware of where you are and being focused on what you want to become as an organization. And only leadership can drive that. And leadership has to pay attention to it. It's like families. Every family has a culture, whether the parents have defined the culture or not. It has a culture. And a culture basically is just representative of the values that you live, that you define and that you live by. And if you don't define any values, or if you define the wrong ones, then you get an unhealthy culture. Let's follow that line of thought as it relates to leadership. Now, great leadership seems to exude 
a winning attitude, which can frequently drive and sustain a healthy organizational culture. Now, in your experience, are these great leaders born that way, or did they somehow learn this approach? No, I think I think most of them are just doing what they do, being who they are, and, and the things that matter to them are the things that they do. And so people copy that. You know that old adage, don't do what I do, do what I say, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that people copy what leaders do, not what they say. And the unwritten rewards and recognition are the things that really drive it. But at the end of the day, culture matters. And how you live it and how you bring it about in your organization makes a difference. There's no way around it. Just name any company that you can think of. And if you know about it, you know what the culture is. And when it's only about getting sales or about winning, so to speak, that's not enough. Because it also needs to be about failure. It needs to be about people. It needs to be about joy. It needs to be all the same things that make up a fulfilling human life. An organization has to have all those same things because organizations are just aggregations of people. And basically, people that come together to hopefully live a greater purpose and to succeed in whatever their organization sets out to succeed in, but done in a way that uplifts people, that serves the community, and that makes a great profit. Howard, what advice do you have for maybe a, a team, a small team leader or, or department leader who, who's created and sustained a positive culture, like a, like a little bubble here, within a larger negative, maybe even poisonous corporate atmosphere? Oh, I mean, you see that all the time that where there are leaders in divisions or parts of the organization that develop this positive culture and their performance culture, but their people culture, I'd say you keep doing what you're doing. You know, as long as it doesn't interfere with you, as long as you don't get up every day and say to yourself, boy, this is not a fun place for me to be, even though I have a healthy culture within my group, because there's a point in time where you're going to just wear out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can change culture from the bottom up. If you develop this good culture and you're performing in your organization, people start to look at it and they want to know what that person is doing, what he or she is doing, and then they start to copy it. I've seen that happen before. It's not easy. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy, but I've seen it happen. You know, and I've seen the opposite of that. I've seen poisonous cultures within inside of good companies that have strong cultures because leadership isn't paying attention. You see it all the time. You hire the wrong person, they come in, and they bring their values with them. And instead of making sure that their values match the organization's value before they hire them, they bring in people that are performers, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, that have great reputations for getting shit done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting stuff done isn't always the answer. Yep. You want getting stuff done and healthy cultures, caring culture. Okay. I'll bite. How does one get started with turning a a negative or ambivalent culture into something positive? How do we start? Well, first of all, you have to know who you are, right? Who are you as a person, as a leader? Who are you? Who are your other leaders in your organization? You've got to sit down. You've got to talk about what at least you say matters to you. may not be how you act, but at least you say matters to you. So maybe one thing, we always want to treat people with respect and dignity. So define what that means to your group really down to the nets, whatever. When I say treat people with respect and dignity, what does it mean? Does it mean you don't yell at people? Does it mean you're always trying to put people up? Does it mean you hold people accountable, but in a positive way? What does it mean to you? And then you write those things down. 
Maybe your values are you want to be an honest person. You want to have an honest culture. It means that you want to have everybody is able to speak freely about things that they think or they believe in. doesn't mean they're always right, but at least it's open culture and it's an honest culture. So you have to define those things and you have to write them down. So let's say you get eight or ten core values that are written down, and then you take those core values and you have to define them because a word like honesty or caring is just a word until you turn it into action. And so what are the actions that define those values that you hold dear? And you write those down. And then you write a purpose statement. Why are we all here? You know, at Starbucks, our purpose statement went like this. We wanted to be one of the most well-known and respected organizations in the world, known for nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. Not a thing about how big we wanted to be. Didn't even mention the word coffee. Didn't even talk about profits. But it was the driving force inside of Starbucks. And so those things get written down. Now, once you've written them down, now you've got to take them out to your people. And you get got to say, what do you think about these things? And what would you add to make them different? And slowly but surely, the team starts to come together and coalesce around a common set of values that you hold each other accountable for and a common purpose. And, of course, you know, you've got the same thing as to goes with setting your goals. They have to be agreed upon and everybody is driving towards them. But there's no shortcuts to these things. It's just like there's no shortcut to a great family or a great marriage. I'm going to ask you to name drop here. Who's doing this right? What companies or leaders out there would you like to point out to us? Well, I think Google. I think Facebook, for the most part. In the technology areas, I think that Costco. I think Nordstrom. I like a container store, and I'm just talking about the companies that we may all know, big companies, but I think Microsoft is doing it right now. I don't think they were, Mm -hmm. but I think the new leadership at Microsoft has really turned that company around to be a really people-centric, values-driven company. We we always seem to end up talking about large, globally recognized brands and stuff like that. This type of thinking, this type of approach, it isn't just built for Google or Hewlett-Packard. It's the opposite of that. Right. It's the way you get to grow and to be big and healthy is by doing this when you're small. Right. And just to wrap up, one final question here. Here at the AMA, we pride ourselves on sort of being that campfire that, you know, a new manager, someone who aspires to leadership, maybe a middle manager who wants to become better at their craft can come and we'll we'll help them out with training or whatever. What does a new manager need to be thinking or need to be aware of as it relates? And again, they've never really had to have been responsible for a team or a budget before, but what do they need to keep in mind or in the back of the mind or in the front of their mind as it relates to culture? They need to really be thinking about how their actions inform the actions of the people that are working with them. If they want a caring, servant-led culture, then that's how they have to act. And so it behooves them to do this personal work. You know, anybody that wants to be a really great leader, a great manager, needs to spend the time sitting down and working through what their eight or ten core values are and put them on a piece of paper. How do they drive their lives? And then they also need to have a personal mission statement. Mm -hmm. Why are they doing what they're doing in this world? Then those things inform how they manage and how they lead. And if you don't know who you are, how can you expect other people to follow you? And you have to be clear about that, and then you have to be clear about with your people and what matters. And then you have to have consistency between what you say and what you do. 
That's the biggest thing I see in young managers. They'll say things. They say, I really care about people. You know, people are really important here. But when push comes to shove, it's not how they act. Mm -hmm. We've been speaking to Howard Behar, renowned business leader, author, speaker, and mentor. And again, please check out his two books. It's that about the coffee and the magic cup. Howard, it is so great to talk to you, and I look forward to speaking to you again at some point in the future. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Follow the American Management Association on Twitter to learn about upcoming free programs, the latest news, management insights, and special offers. You can follow us at A-M-A-N-E-T. That's A-M-A-N-E-T. Hope to tweet to you real soon. in this program or if you have any comments and questions you'd like to loop back with us on we can be reached at a phone number 212-903-8090 or by email at edgewise at aminet.org that's edgewise at amanet.org